Hello, and welcome to episode 77 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, October 28th, 2021. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Pretty good. Quiet, quiet week at our house. How's it going here? A little bit more busy. It is Boy 2's play has opening night tonight. So he's been doing tech rehearsals and dress rehearsals. And the other one has a regatta coming up. So there's been a lot of time on the boat. And yeah. What is the play? Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare. Yeah, he's very excited. He is playing Festy. And they are doing the songs, which is why he wanted to do that role. Uh, one of the other students composed music for the songs. Wow. Yes, yeah, so they have a, a live piano player there. And so he's pretty, pretty excited and exhausted <laughs> and trying to do homework. And so it'll, it'll be nice to be, to be done with it. That's with exciting. It. But I'm excited to see him as well. So, yeah. We, our week was, this was the not really a break week but the slow week before wrestling season starts Mm. and so monday kicks off their season and they're really hyped about it interesting yeah i guess soccer season will start soon but i haven't heard anything so hopefully he'll get a little bit of a break before that all begins but yeah he hasn't told me it's um soccer in my brain as a new englander is a fall season but here in San Francisco, where you can go outside every single day, yes. it is a winter for our for the high, high school. Athletes. Although some of them are still fall. Yeah, the club sports play all fall. Right. Oh, but some of the high schools still do fall as well. Not all of them. Oh, really? And the middle schools do, yeah. Okay. It's all over the place. Anyhow. So, but yeah, and, and it's almost November, which I'm not sure how that happened. It's very, very confusing. And that, yet true. That has <laughs> the like self self-imposed calendar project manager person inside of me cringing because I was hoping well I'll talk about it more during okay. Diesel. but yes oh my gosh it's almost November yeah craziness okay but yes so we will have on the easel we also have on the needles and on the table including our weekday vegetarians review oh my god I got the name right on the first track uh and then we'll finish with on the nightstand So on the needles, I don't have a lot of knitting because I have been very, very monogamous just (gasps) working on my newspaper pullover, which is good. And it's looking beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so this is by Hohi Locatelli. It's a fairly new pattern of hers. Just came out a few months ago, just in time for her fall knit along, which is kind of why I decided to go for it. It is all in brioche which is like knitting every row twice. So it takes a little bit longer. The yarn I'm using is, well, there's two yarns. First is Biche et Bouche, the Petite Lambswool in light gray, which is a light gray. And then Isiger yarn Spinny in charcoal, which is a dark gray. So lots of good contrast there. And it looks like a newspaper. It does look like a newspaper. Although I was looking at some of the pictures that people had posted on Ravelry in the group chat. And there's some really cool color combinations. There's people that did like threw in a third color just for part of it, which looks amazing. Fun. Yeah, there was some really, 
really good ones in there. So I don't think I'm going to finish it by Sunday, which is the official end date. But I should be pretty, I mean, I guess if I did nothing but knit for the next You just have the sleeves, days. right? Yes. But sleeves always take longer than you think they're going to. Except you sent me that thing where you knit the whole thing and then steak on. Oh, I know. I want to try this. So this was someone posted on Instagram. <sighs> Leah Parent, I think. She's, I don't know, someone I follow. She's local. Someone had told her how to do this. So she's sort of documenting it on Instagram. And I really want to try it. So you knit the whole sweater, the entire sweater in the round. And then cut for the sleeves and then you would seam up the sides of the sleeves and the sides of the sweater I guess which so really useful if you have I doing thought, stripes basically I think yeah. or fades and you want it to all be even and I just ordered may have just ordered some yarn that I think would be a perfect opportunity <laughs> to test out this Okay, you're going to have to report back. I thought it yeah. was you knit the body of the sweater mm -hmm. and then you knit the sleeves like one giant sleeve and then cut up the sleeves. I didn't really read it, though, to be honest with you. It was just my brain saw visual and that's where oh. I went with it. Well, I don't know. Maybe that is it. My brain said knit a whole giant tube. And of then, sleeve. Yeah, like a, bit, like a giant poncho, basically. Right. But then you would cut it. Okay. Does that make more sense or less sense? No. I don't know. We'll find out. Because Clear. I haven't clicked in now. But okay. report back. Yeah, well, it'll take a while. I have to finish this one first. So I am I am done with the body. I'm working on the bottom ribbing. I think I'm on the final row of the ribbing. I have maybe half a round to go. And then I noticed that it calls for a tubular bind off, which I screwed up the last time I did it. So I'm a little bit nervous about trying it again. But then I also feel like I should try it again because I have used it before and it worked beautifully. So why shouldn't it work this time? And it is such a nice finish. So we will see how I'll report back on that. And then I have to do the sleeves. So yes, yeah, so I'm very excited. This is the one it starts off with uh, like the white and or the light gray and the dark gray. And then it switches to dark gray and light gray. The color that's popping switches off in color blocks. Looks very cool. And this is what I'm going to learn in that brioche and tarja bananas class that I'm taking well, for stitches. <laughs> you're not going to learn the brioche part. You're already supposed to know that. Oh, well, how hard can it be? <laughs> Clearly not very if I'm doing an entire sweater. In I'm it. teasing. I, it's actually I not. Better. It's not actually I better YouTube hard. it. Well, yes. No, it's actually, it's not hard. It's just fiddly. Okay. And I think you have to pay a little more attention. And if you screw up, it's a little more difficult to fix. Yeah, great. <laughs> but not Wash difficult cloths. at Wash all. Washcloths, people. <laughs> not difficult at all. So that, yeah, that is all that I had been working on. And we went to a couple of concerts over the weekend and last night and... I had no knitting to bring with me because I have I have nothing that is autopilot knitting. So that was very frustrating. So I I'm trying to figure that out. Cuz I feel and I feel like I have so many projects that I'm not working on because I am doing this sweater. So I don't want to start another project. So I don't know what to do, but then I'm also sitting there at a concert with nothing going on in my hands and that's a little upsetting as well. Not to press the calendar at you, but like it is almost November. Are you doing any Christmas knitting? Maybe. Okay. I was thinking that I have a couple of baby hats that I need to do, and that would just be round and round. So I do need, I should wind that yarn and get those going. Because I know those I, be have to, yeah. I have to get my Christmas paintings like, yes. 
But some really. of them, I have some, and I have some Christmas knitting ideas, but they're not autopilot yeah. either. So I need something that's just good to go. The other thing I could do is I do have some socks that I have to do the heel and then it'll go back to being autopilot. So I could sit down for an afternoon and get the heel done and then I would be able to use those. Mm-hmm. Which is also a good idea. There's so, I mean, there, there are many solutions to this problem. But yeah, and so working on this one project just makes me do all sorts of imaginary knitting and what am I going to do next? But then I do still have Simon's sweater. His rickrack sweater. His rickrack sweater, yep. Yeah, I haven't worked on that at all. Yeah, I haven't worked on the socks at all. It's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good, but, you know, I want to be knitting all of the things. That's what's going on. Hopefully next time there will be more interesting content other than I knit another two miles of black and white stockinette. That is all that is on the needles. What is on the easel? Oh my gosh, so much. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Well done. I had a self-imposed deadline to finish the calendar for 2022. Can you believe it? Whoa. By November 1st. Oh, goodness. You just started no well oh you've been secretly working on it no um (laughs) i had the vision and i brought some sketches over last week and last time we recorded showed you where i was at and then when i sat down and made all of the calendar blocks and that's the my calendar does have little squares to write things in because that's how i like to use a calendar at least birthdays and anniversaries and that kind of thing I sat down and updated the calendar for 2022. This is totally custom. There's probably a hundred faster ways to do it, but this is the way that I like to do it and then double check everything. And I put in all of the federal holidays, all of the major high holidays for the major four religions, and then all of the little quirky holidays like the National Bacon Day and National Sushi Day. Very important. Very important. They're mostly food-related. <laughs> I noticed I this mean. year. Except for handwriting day and ampersand day. And the oh, other ones that are completely Courtney, gener- not, not Courtney-generated, but beloved by me and yeah. me alone in a very small population. Did you put Fat Bear Week on there? I didn't, but I could because I haven't printed this or go. sent it to the printers yet. So I did the calendar blocks, and then I took and scanned in. I had like maybe five or six pieces of art that were what I thought were ready to go. And I placed them in the calendar and I wasn't in love with it. Like the one piece I had painted earlier in the spring and it just didn't feel like it fit with the rest of what I had painted. Hmm. And then it's a seven by seven square calendar or seven by seven in the artwork portion. And I... I just felt like I wasn't using the space properly. And so essentially, since Monday, I have gone back and recreated three of the paintings for the main art. And I think I'm going to do all the rest, too. So I have a lot of work to do. So you're redoing the whole thing? Um, I wouldn't say it like that because (laughs) the concept is... But it wouldn't be wrong to say it like that. The concept is still there. I feel like I did a really finished rough draft. Oh, okay. And now I am doing final artwork and I am so much happier. Oh, good. And this is a case of I work alone. 
So I all I really have is my own eye, and I have to paint to please my own eye. And so this is maybe maybe people won't even notice, but I feel the difference, and that's important to me. And I feel like because I didn't make a ton of work at the beginning of the year, that it's really important for me to like show up and do my absolute best to to be proud of this accomplishment. So, yeah, I'm repainting a lot. It's <laughs> um, fun though. You're inspired, so I am. That's and the way I, to go. I had what I thought was the cover. This is a really simple. I wish I had brought them over with me. The cover I thought was going to be a blue typewriter with the California sister butterfly mm-hmm. on the arm of it. On the what do you call that handle? On the, the return. Type. Yeah, the blue typewriter. So old. <laughs> I know the blue typewriter is so fun. Yeah. That you don't really see the butterfly, uh, and I want you to notice the butterfly. I want there to be equal weight between. It's the whole theme is like animals and things, and right. I want that equal weight. And so. I repainted it last night with a black typewriter Mm. and the black typewriter is so sexy. It's like (laughs) just so cool. It came out so good. And then the butterfly is really noticeable because it's a black field and I'm so much happier with it. Okay. So that's, those are the tweaks that I'm making is making sure that the animal and the thing have, or the insect or whatever it is, has equal balance, even though the scales are wonky or right. what have you, that there's, I don't know, that's what I'm striving for. So it's been a lot of time in the studio. I had been listening when I was painting the other pieces and they were fine. I mean, they're fine pieces of art. They're they're good. They just don't fit how I want them to work with the calendar. But I was listening to Middlemarch, which I feel like I gave very short shrift to, but it is like 850 pages long. So anyway, I had been listening to Middlemarch for a lot of that work. Mm -hmm. Now I'm totally either energetic music or silence. I just feel like this complete shift and I really have to focus on on what I'm doing. Yeah, it is interesting. I also painted a landscape for my brother who had a milestone birthday and I haven't heard from him. (laughs) I know it's there. I don't, maybe it wasn't anywhere near accurate. We'll see. But I had really worked. He's probably just so overwhelmed with gratitude that he can't think of appropriate words to thank you. Yeah. People, if somebody sends you art, (laughs) just fly. (laughs) Tell me you love it. It's amazing. Um, so that one I had painted three times. I had painted it once in my sketchbook and loved the sketch and half thought about cutting the page on my sketchbook and sending him that wow. one. Then I painted a second one. It's high on a hill and in, in between the trees you can see a little bit of the lake and the land across from the lake. But the, the real key element are these hemlock trees that he really loves Mm. and that our dad would have completely appreciated and so I spent a lot of time rendering the hemlocks but I went way too far on the second version of it and it was very busy and crowded and so I felt like it just looked like a pile of sticks and so the final 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 version I went 
a little bit lighter on the foliage and the um, sticks. And I think you can probably see more of the lake in my version than you can in real life. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why it's not, I don't know. art. I know. It doesn't have to be accurate. I know. They did get a big nor'easter, so maybe he's... <laughs> maybe he can see more of the lake now. Maybe it's more accurate. <laughs> All the leaves are gone. And, oh. yeah. So that's what's been on the easel. And then I cut out a pattern for um, a workwear jacket. Like, uh, here we are on this partial knitting podcast, and I want to sew a non-knit... <laughs> Anyway, it's crafting. It's not knitting. Any kind of crafting. This is a free pattern from fabrics-store.com. And it's called the Paola jacket. And it's based on a jacket that I saw from Toast. You know that that clothing line? It's not based on their line, but it's I have been wanting one like it. And I think if I round the, what do you call this? Like where the buttons come together? Like the two fronts. And then sort of change the pocket direction. It'll be pretty similar to the toast one because I love the look of that. But it has a nice high buttoned um, and then like a placket, notched collar, long sleeve. I don't think it's lined, but it could be easily lined. And I think I could do it in like a heavier denim or um, like a cotton twill or something like that. And I tried on something similar that was like a railroad stripe, and that was really cute. So it's all cut out and ready to to go. I just got to find some fabric for it. I find that that's a little bit easier if I know that I have like the pattern ready to pin down. Mm. So you're all excited and you can just go for it. And then run run with it. That's kind of smart. So, and then last but not least... Gouache-vember starts I know. next week. Yeah. So You did not do Inktober. I don't do Inktober for a couple different reasons. Right. Um, I have, <laughs> you have a Christmas calendar to put together. I have together. a Christmas calendar to put together. I really love gouache-vember. I love the, the topics. Daria did release her prompt list this week, so that's, that's live. It's similar to years past, but there are some new fresh nuggets oh. on there, and that's also why I'm trying to get my calendar out to the mm, printer yeah. because I love I love the work that comes out of gouache vember. It's always yeah. really rewarding. So that's what's on the easel. Excellent. All right, on the table. Yeah, as I said, it's been kind of a crazy week, so I have not done too much cooking of note. I did make the autumn palau from East. Great. I was, Reminded that I needed to do that when I was, you know, we were doing our, our year in review last time. This one features squash and kale, which, I mean, that's pretty darn autumnal. So that was good. It was interesting. It doesn't specify what kind of squash. It just says squash. And in the picture, it looks like an acorn squash. And I think that was what I ended up using. But, I mean, you know, it is kind of the thing where you could do whatever you want with it. Um, and then there were a bunch of spices in it that were sort of traditional, so cumin, garam masala, turmeric, some chilies. I think I used just dried chili flakes instead because I forgot to buy 
any kind of chilies because that's how my week was going. And cilantro, I forgot all of the cilantro. <laughs> Not quite sure what happened there. But the really interesting part of it was smoked garlic. Mm. which I've never heard of and didn't know where to get. But she said, if you didn't have it, you could use regular garlic and then sub smoked salt, which I do have for I the regular too. salt. Yeah. So that was really cool. And I'm not sure I used enough of it. I didn't get a ton of smokiness going, but I'm still really intrigued by that idea. So if I redo this one or, you know, really in anything else, not anything else, but it's kind of a really intriguing idea. So... I bought that, I don't, I think I talked about it, that smoked soy sauce that I was obsessing mm, about yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the year. It's like the Rolls Royce of soy sauces. <laughs> and I half bought it for the packaging. It's a little bit too strong, mm. but I am learning how to use like a half a teaspoon of that and then a teaspoon of, you right. know, kind yeah. of balancing it. balance it out. That will be useful, I think, uh, in the David Chang cookbook. Do you want to tell people about the David Chang cookbook? David Chang has a new cookbook out. Just came out Tuesday. It's more uh, of like a. It's not. A, it's a philosophy of cooking. Yes, um, he is the Momofuku guy, and he co-wrote it with Priya Krishna, who is a New York Times food writer, I think, and she wrote Indianish, which oh great is a. Haven't tried yet, but I'm interested in that one as well. Um, so anyway, it's it's all his home cooking. So there are no actual recipes. There's this is what you should do, but you figure out the amounts. And it's a lot of cook a big batch of meat on Sunday and then use it through the week or, you know, use it partially that night and then use leftovers. Super fast things, really learning what tastes good to you. And he's like, that. like recipes don't make sense. To a certain extent, because everybody's tastes are different. So the recipe is going to tell you what tastes good to that chef. Right. He's like, if you're cooking at home, it should be what tastes good to you and your family and make it work. So that is going to be our next book, I think, but probably not. We haven't discussed <laughs> when, but probably not until the next, till the new year. Because it's... Uh, it's beefy. It's beefy. And there is a lot of beef in it as well. So it's going to be... Which is great for me because <laughs> yes. I live with a bunch of omnivores. <laughs> Yes. None of this delicata squash business. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, delicata. It's beautiful delicata. It is, but um, it is like... And it's also a really beautiful book. I was going to do a delicata rant. But anyway, back to your kitchen. <laughs> so I don't even know what the point of that was, but... That's our next book. That's our next book. But again, not till next year. Because it's going to take some time to, to work through that one, I think. And then the only other thing that I was kind of <laughs> excited about was that I got a note from Rancho Gorder saying, don't worry, you are still on the wait list. <laughs> now, it's been over a year that I've been on the wait list, so I was sort of glad to see that I was actually on the wait list because I was pretty sure that I had signed up, but I couldn't find, and I thought I remembered getting an email saying, yes, you're on the wait list, and I couldn't find it anywhere in my email, so I thought maybe I didn't sign up, and I just thought I did. So I am actually on the wait list. They are working to get me off it, which I thought was kind of nice. I just went over to Church Street Produce and bought know, a bunch of stuff. I can there. also, yeah, just order, <laughs> continue ordering from them. But the bean, but the club, you get special, one of a kind beans, which again, you probably also don't really care about. I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you sure? Do you want to think about your answer? No. I feel like I like won the lottery over at the produce store. 
Yeah, no, like, that's very exciting. I've never seen any of those at Molly Stone's. Yeah. So I do need to get over there. I just I know it's so far. It's so far. It's like <laughs> ten whole minutes. I never go over there way. I know. I, I should, could I, I should, should grab you a little selection and I mean I could just go over there. Or we could do a field trip, a food field trip one day around oh. town where we go and we buy some beans from Rancho Gordo and then we go spend an obscene amount of money at Byrate. And then there's oh. this new place on twenty fourth street that has all kinds of crazy Italian jams whatever. And then we could go over and have a croissant at Arsico. Arsico, yeah. And then we can go to Spanish table and buy some like smoked paprika. Okay. (laughs) I just made that up on the floor. Oh, no. I mean, there are so many places we could go. I just had the sardines, sardines, I think, from Spanish table because our book club read Long Petal of the Sea. Which starts off in Spain, and so a bunch of people went to Spanish table. We'd like to have themed snacks and beverages at our book club. But sardines are my new obsession. Oh, yeah. I think it was sardines. It was sardines or anchovies, one of them. Oh. Probably sardines. Big difference. I know. You can keep the anchovies. <laughs> they were probably sardines. They were delicious. Okay. Yeah. Love it. But that's, yes, that's on my, my not weekday vegetarian cooking. Do you have any... Non-weekday vegetarian? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a lot. Nope, because omnivores. I know. Although a lot of the a lot of the items were repeat recipes, but a funny kitchen story from the arrays, the pita pocket things mm-hmm. that my family totally loves from Simply Julia that I do with half turkey and half lamb. Mm. Somebody bought flatbread instead of pita pockets. Crime, I know. And so I made the, um, I just made them like oval, what do you call those? Smash burgers. And did oh. them instead. No cheese, but um, did those on the griddle and served them in between a half of a, like a folded flatbread with the that fry sauce that I talked about last week. Awesome. So it wasn't a complete catastrophe. I also made the, one of the kids gave me Chicano Eats by Esteban Castillo last Christmas. And I haven't cooked so, so much from it, um, but I did make the Mexican red rice Ooh. from that this week, which is loaded with vegetables and um, easily converted to vegan if you use vegetable stock. I use chicken stock, but no big deal. And I served it with some oven-roasted chicken thighs that had, like, a lot of spices. And one of the things that I've been doing is cutting that, like, smoked paprika is really strong to me. So I have been cutting it with the sweet paprika a little bit. And that's, it makes it so great. It's, Mm. all I need is a little bit. My smoke factor is really low. Like, I only need a little bit. Yeah. But learning, but I like having it in there. So just learning to manipulate those fractions a little bit for myself and then I made that crowning banana bread which I've talked about before it's from Epicurious it's my go-to banana bread because if you have four giant bananas or five you can still make that bread work it's so unfussy and we're in banana bread season it's a little cooler yeah it's it's a good time for it everybody was really happy about it and then the rest is weekday vegetarian. 
Oh, so not that much. No. Cool. All right. So Weekday Vegetarians by Jenny Rosenstruck. So probably a couple of things to note beforehand. I've been a big fan of hers since forever. forever. So I was sort of, and my family is semi-vegetarian. So going into this, I was pretty much already sold. So if you're new or you just haven't been paying attention, my husband is vegetarian. Kids and I are not, but I, he is also gluten-free. So to save my sanity, (laughs) I try and cook only one meal as much as possible, um, but we'll, you know, throw in chicken or a sausage or whatnot for the children here and there. And Courtney's family will eat a little more meat. (laughs) My family is not vegetarian (laughs) and they are not gluten-free and they really have no desire to to explore those (laughs) arenas at present time. However, as like a responsible chef in my home, home chef, I try to inject as much vegetable matter into the meals as possible. So I was totally on board with this because I'm always looking for ways to either amp up the roasting of vegetables or, to be honest, everything that I cooked probably had a had a animal-based protein accompaniment. If it was like a little chicken patty or something like that, or I don't know, I'll talk about that a little bit more, yeah. but this was more accompanying our... Which is kind of how she started it, or she started it because she and her husband decided they wanted to eat more vegetarian. They decided to do it just during the week, Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends, they could do whatever. Because a lot of their go-to party foods were meat-based. Like, they're known for a pork ragu and all sorts of other really delicious-sounding things. And their girls weren't totally on board as well. So the girls could kind of, they would eat vegetarian dinner, you know, and they could they could be pick not and, vegetarian choose. as much as they wanted right? Um, and, and lean in. And I think... At least one of their girls is now fully vegetarian, if not both, as well. Apparently, <laughs> it turned out okay in their household. And she gives suggestions for how to mix and match. And, you know, if you're marinating this tofu, then throw in some, you know, in a separate container, obviously. But, you know, chicken as well for the, the holdouts and whatnot. That was really helpful for me was those, yeah, for the every recipe or most recipes have a way to either veganize or for the holdout, the omnivores add chopped salami or prosciutto or something like that to a lot of the different recipes. And so that helped me expand my thinking about them. And it's also like, I recognize that this is just the season of my life. I have two teenage boys who are in season or nearly in season for a a sport that, I mean, they're just hungry all the time. They're teenage boys. (laughs) End of sentence. (laughs) So I know that this cookbook might be more of a tool when the boys are off at college and it's just my husband and me cooking, you know, a couple times a week. And we, I love the component action here having dressings at the ready, having toasted chickpeas at the ready, or the, you know, oven roasted tofu that I can add to salads or, because that's how I cook anyway. Yeah. I think the arrangement of it is really different from most other cookbooks, I feel like. So this is, um, and I guess it's just because it's vegetarian, right? So you don't have your 
beef section and a pork section and a fish section and then, you know, a vegetable section. It's all vegetable stuff. So it's based on like the kind of meal it is. So there's there's a pasta section, there's um, salads and bowls, there's tacos and enchilada section, sandwiches, skillet mains, which I really like. That is something that I find really difficult is doing like a one pot meal. And then she has small plates night, which is little things, which is something I had come up with on my own earlier this year. I felt (laughs) so vindicated when I got this. I was like, yes, this is what I've been doing. Hooray, I'm getting it right. So that was very exciting, which is where instead of having, because you don't have meat, you don't, you don't have an anchor, you know, a big centerpiece and then little things around the side, like everything is equal. So you just do a bunch of little plates. I loved you said anchor and that made me think about her concept of a hook. Yeah. Um, at the, in the intro of the book, when she's talking about how to make this shift and when she was trying recipes, she realized it was important to have something really delicious on hand to elevate if you're making like um like a veggie bowl a veggie bowl or a veggie taco to have like a really kick-in dressing to go on it or something crunchy that you can add on top something that everybody's going to be excited about which is how i feel about like the fry sauce yeah like those little accompaniments go a long way yeah, and so she has a whole section of dressings and sauces that there's some really good ones in there. She has a couple of bread recipes, which actually I can report back on. <laughs> Protein hits, so like crispy chickpeas that were really good. Yeah, and it's all very mix and match. So even where I wasn't fully into an entire recipe, I definitely found myself thinking, oh, wait, there was that dressing that I could pull out and dress up whatever I'm I've already planned for tonight. And then at the very end, she has a section of chart with, okay, so you've got... Crispy cute. chickpeas, what can you... Yeah. yeah, and then it's a whole, it's like four or five different things from each sec, or, you know, pulls a recipe from each of the, the different sections. Which, for the bean department, was so helpful for me, because mm. I was like, now what do I do with all these beans, for crying out loud? <laughs> David Chang has a bean section, too. Anyway, back to this one, yeah. So... Why don't you tell us about what you made? Because you made like 11,000 things more than I did. I did make 11,000 things. So I highlighted some. I mean, I really did. I so the, so the pasta section re- did really... not. Yeah, the pasta section did not happen too much. I feel like pasta. I mean, it's pasta, right? Like, yeah, I can do pasta. I really liked the eggplant and tofu with the sweet hot chili glaze. A lot of it because of the chili glaze, which I dialed way back on the pepper in there. Because she said it's really hot, and I was like, yeah, my family is not hot. And so I I think it called for three tablespoons of chili powder, and I only used one, and that was perfection. Just had a little bit of heat. My kids are not super into the texture of eggplant, so we're still working on that. But they did like the sauce. Um, and that you just you roast the eggplant and the tofu and then combine it with the, the sauce. And you could use, she, you know, and she gives you other options. Like, you don't want to use this, then use the teriyaki sauce, which the teriyaki sauce was also really good. Use that a different night. So that one was really good. I am in love with her Zatar flatbread recipe, which is where you take pizza dough and turn it into flatbread. Because I can buy a pretty decent gluten-free pizza dough and turn it into bread. And then I can buy regular pizza dough, obviously. So 
We finally kind of get to have bread back on the household menu, and that one's delicious. You brush it with, you know, spread it out. I'm still working on getting my pizza dough flat enough. It's still pretty puffy, which is not bad. It just takes longer to bake. Um, is that because of the that's the glutenous? No, that's the glutenous oh. one. The gluten-free one, I can. If you let it rest, it. like flatten it out, and mm-hmm. then let it rest for eight minutes, and like, like finger walk over it, like massage over it with your fingers and deflate it a little bit then you can do it again and get it like really flat that is good to know although if you go too far then it's hard to transfer it to a pan Mm, i just kind of do it on the pan or i guess i have it on parchment paper a little cornmeal underneath will help too the non-sticking anyhow so that has been good oh so you brush it with olive oil and garlic powder and then put a ton of zatar seasoning on it yum so delicious i've been doing that not constantly, but at least once a week since <laughs> since I got that. And I do still kind of want to try the yogurt flatbread recipe, which involves actual flour, just to see how that will work out. And did not get around to that because the yeah, pizza the one dough one so is so easy. Uh, yeah. And there were a couple recipes like the mushroom and kale tacos that have been on her website. So I've had those before. Those are fantastic. The crispy chickpeas turned out really well. Did you make the greenest pasta? I haven't. Oh, it really reminded me of the the Simply Julia one. Um, So that was kind of wanted to try it. And I'm not sure which one I liked better. I cheated and used just a store-bought pesto instead of the kale pesto that she has a recipe for. So I imagine that would be even better. But, you know, it was still delicious and green. And you'll have to do a, a closer taste test, I think. I guess probably next summer when there's more, more of the fresh greenery. But that was a good reminder to do that as well. What else? The crunchy cheesy bean bake was really good. That is on my list. Yeah, that was a good one. It makes me think of pizza beans from yep. Smitten Kitchen. Yeah. there. Were, I will say there were a lot of these where I was like, oh, this reminds me of that. I will also say that most of them, like, she is serious about the weekday. They are really fast. So even if you look at it and go like, oh, that's going to be way too complicated, it is generally not. And I would say most of them within half an hour start to finish. Unless it's like you have to actually cook the beans, then obviously it's going to take longer, but it's more hands-off time. Right. And that's what I love about, I I was trying to pair the protein from the Tuesday nights mm. by Christopher Kimball with some of the veg from here. And I just felt like it's it was still a little bit more involved because I'm cooking a protein or an animal-based right. protein alongside of it. But I like that people are paying attention to how much time we're in the kitchen because, like, I have animals to paint. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) The cauliflower cutlets with romesco sauce were quite good. I was surprised by that. I I, I felt like I needed to try that one because that is such a a vegetarian meal. That's similar to the brined one that I do at Christmas time and love. The whole family loves. Oh, cool. And then the broiled chickpea salad. Caesar salad was really good, and I need to make that one again, too, which is you take halves of romaine lettuce and broil it and add chickpeas and Caesar salad dressing, and there's some other things in there. Salad dressing recipe. I used that. Yeah. So those were some of my highlights. I mean, I can... (laughs) Yeah. Anything you've made, I may have made it as well, because I went went through, especially the, the small plates veg, I... Yeah. Good. I went through that, but yeah. Well, I 
made and everyone loved the chickpea mac and cheese. Oh, okay, sure. And this was a huge win for our household because they don't like homemade mac and cheese. So this broke the sound barrier, if you will, in terms of getting them to try a different version of mac and cheese. And I did do that chopped tomato Mm -hmm. um, accompaniment, which I thought was great because it just really cut the... Yeah, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. I tried it, but... So that was the crowning winner. And in fact, they've asked for it several times since then. Nice. They also loved, loved... Andy's spicy diced potatoes, huge flavor punch. Did you do the whole? Because those are the ones you cook on the stovetop, right? Mm -hmm. You did the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I used the spice mixture on that, but I roasted them because I, I forget what was going on. I did not feel like standing over my stove doing potatoes, but they sounded delicious. Yeah, I don't know that there would be a. I slightly charred them accidentally, so it probably would have been better to put them in the oven. I forget what I served them with. I didn't jot it down. They were so flavorful. And in fact, the next day, I felt like it was too much seasoning for the potato. And I had backed off a little bit. And the next day, I... Oh, I made the crispy chickpeas and used for a portion of them the same flavoring from the the crispy potatoes or the diced potatoes on the chickpeas. And that worked out great. I, I was up to my ears in chickpeas, though. Too many. Too many. Our other highlight was the slivered minty sugar snap peas with ricotta. I had this great red pepper honey mm-hmm. in my pantry that was so good with this dish. I was kind of auditioning it for Thanksgiving because I have to bring a stellar shining vegetable dish. I loved this so much. I love mint. Mm. And it was just wonderful and fresh, and it was great, like, on salads the next day. Mm-hmm. I did probably – I served it with steak. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds delicious, frankly. <laughs> Which is really rare for our household, but it was during the anniversary mm-hmm. week. We had yeah, steak. So you had to. Yeah. And then I made um, – the other one that I made that we all really liked – was the stewy black lentils with chard mm. and feta. Yep. I did add a big splash of cider vinegar to that. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I felt like it needed it. I loved it with some, with the feta and the, and sour cream, which is not vegetarian, right? Or It's not oh, vegan. It's not vegan. Um, but I noted when I wrote it down, like, pancetta would be really good. I was going to say sausage would probably be really good in there. Yeah. And my kids would have probably gobbled up. They were kind of reluctant about it. But I love black lentils, so I'm kind of sold. I did also make the crispy smoky tofu sandwiches because I felt like I had to. And they were quite good. I did make chicken for my boys. Which is fine, because then we had leftovers for the next day for lunch, which was really good. I want these. Yeah, they're good. You marinate the tofu in a delicious smoky marinade, and then bread them and fry them and serve them with a dilled coleslaw. And it was pretty delicious. My bread was too big, though, Mm -hmm. so all I tasted was bread for the most part, which was a little 
little frustrating. My husband had, um, I think I just did regular gluten-free bread. So the slices were smaller. So I think the balance was better. So that would be the only thing to be aware of. Did you make these crispy cabbage pancakes? I did because I have made them before. I wanted to see how hers was. And also I really love it. So those are the, the onomiyaki, which is like the Japanese cabbage pancakes. Yes. Um, which you can also throw shrimp in. Equally delicious. I did not. They are really good. That's next up for me from here. Her portions are not huge for the most part. And that has always been an issue with her. She jokes about it, I think, in one of her first books. For a lot of them, they need to be, or like the the one dish things you need to to be aware of that. Like if you're doing um, the small plates, obviously they're already small. So you just, you know. I triple everything these days. Because then if somebody's hungry, there's a little bit in the fridge. Yeah. I also want to make the roasted beets with herby yogurt and pistachios. I love beets, but I'm a holdout in my house. Like, I'm the only one. Oh, well, you can make them for lunch and I'll come over. Okay. Because no one in my house will eat beets either. What is it? They're so good. They taste like dirt. What's wrong with that? I was going to say candy, (laughs) but okay. I ordered pickled beets from my produce box this week as I was, I thought... Darn it, I just want them. I get them from the Russian grocery store. Oh, right. And they're so good. So I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I will have them. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So the lemon potatoes were really good. We made those. Very... I make potatoes like this on the regular. Yep. But that's a, they look pretty. I liked the Caesar. Did you make the Herbie Ranch dressing? That is one I did not make. Oh, and so in each of the dressings has suggestions or you know this is what Mm -hmm. recipes I use it in so you it's very mix and match and you're not and and like a lot of times they'll just have the the dressing it's like oh that sounds good but now what do I do with it and the answer is right there so it's very throughout the book when you're at a recipe there are so many components I really like that her all-purpose vinaigrette is quite similar to my everyday vinaigrette which is great and then hand-torn croutons I have a kid who'll make a meal out of croutons and then I of course loved the pickled section because for my little salads when it's just me and the boys I just sometimes will just take a little of their protein and make myself a salad and then add a lot of these components like the crispy chickpeas or a pickled element it's beans that have me flummoxed but now that I have all of these gorgeous beans from and I love having a double-signed copy <laughs> of the Weekday Vegetarians because this is true. I got my copy from Omnivore Books, and all of theirs had a signed sticker in it. And then Monica secured us, I don't know how you got these great personalized stickers from Jenny herself. So that was pretty cool. So I have a double, double Jenny book. Double stickers. I do want to try some more of the soups. I think it wasn't, it hasn't quite been soup season, although now we are there. So I need to get into that. Yeah, I mean, it was an easy sell for me. I would recommend it. I think they're simple, easy recipes that give you a lot of ways to incorporate it into a non vegetarian life, or you're just trying to, to get on board. And they're just delicious recipes. But again, I was an easy sell. So, right. Sounds like it went over okay in your household. It went over great in my household. I see tons of potential for it. I think it'll be more, you know, it'll be woven in. It's not 
It's not exactly how we're eating right now, but that's okay. It's a huge resource. Yeah. I love it for the, for me, for my salad and, and not salads only, but the component stuff alone is really beneficial for how I eat. Yeah. And the kids, you know, won't live in my house forever. And then I can, you know, it'll be a great resource for the future. It's kind of like going back to feeding toddlers where you have little different different parts <laughs> for everyone and some people have this and some people have this and yeah everyone has some of that so yeah yeah cool. so thanks jenny great book yeah and, and thank you uh courtney stanley for indulging us and taste testing so on the nightstand i love i love seeing how like my books line up it just amuses me no end so my first one i don't know why so my first one is actually links back to books from last time because I had two books that were retellings and this one is another retelling. So this is The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow, which focuses on Mary, who is the annoying middle sister in Pride and Prejudice. The first mm, quarter of the book is the retelling of Pride and Prejudice from her viewpoint. She is still really annoying, but at least now you know why she's so annoying. Uh, And then the book jumps ahead two years. Mr. Bennett has passed away, and so Mary and her mother are thrown to the mercy of her married sisters and other relatives. And that's where the story really picks up and gets going. Mary ends up living with her aunt in London, or her aunt and uncle in London, and starts meeting people and really comes into her own it is written in a very similar style to Pride and Prejudice, so that kind of old-fashioned. It's really delightful, and it's a romance, and it all works out well. They finally make it to the Lake District, because in Pride and Prejudice, they get partway there, but then they have to go visit Mr. Darcy's house, and things happen, and they go back, so they never make it to the Lake District. But so they finally do. Yeah, there's a lot of nice, you know, you get to see the rest of the family again, she goes to visit Charlotte Lucas, who is now living at Longbourn because Mr. Collins inherited. I guess she's Charlotte Collins now, which was so weird. There's a scene and she goes in and all the furniture is still there because you inherit everything. Yeah. The art, everything. Yeah. I learned that so, from Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah. And, and I guess, I guess that's in um, Sense and Sensibility as well. Like there are certain things that the mom had brought to the marriage, so she was able to take those. But most of it stays with the house, which if she didn't have these married daughters, she'd be out in the world with nothing. Zero. So weird. So crazy. Anyway, so that was really interesting. You get a ton of time with Charlotte Lucas as well, which is really cool. Because she's sort of a enigmatic figure in the book, I think. So this was really fun. Once I got through the first part where she was just annoying me, and she started to grow and become a much more interesting person. So that was good. The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. The next two, books five and six by Martha Wells in the Murderbot series. And <laughs> these are the last two that are currently available. So Courtney can oh, stop. Oh no, what are we going to do? Courtney can stop laughing. Well, she has a big book deal with her publisher. So there are at least two or three more coming. Right. Oh, but not till next year. So you'll, you'll have to wait. And I figured it all out. So book five is The Network Effect. And that is the novel length one, which I think is going to tell you something about how awesome I thought it was that I didn't even notice this was the full length book. I just blasted through it so quickly. Okay. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice it was not in a novella. So this one, 
the Murderbot is back with some of its original crew and some new people. There's kidnapping, there's hostages, there's adventures, and all sorts of great stuff. There's some old friends who come back. It's fantastic. These are such good books, and they sound so wackadoodle. And I love it for you. It's so great. I feel like people would like these. Like, if you like adventure books and mysteries, especially number six, Fugitive Telemetry, it's basically like a police procedural, except that there's a robot who's a really sarcastic, cranky robot is the cop, and it's in space. <laughs> this one is not in space, though. It's on It's on the planet. So, yeah, this it's really interesting. It's like the first four books are kind of their own group and then there's the novel which sort of follows up from that but is really separate and then this one it's as though she has just decided okay it's a thing now people like it i'm gonna go with it and now i'm just going into like detective series it is just basically i mean you still have some of the same characters obviously the murder bot is still there but it's kind of a whole separate self-contained adventure but you could see it being like my next inspector gamash wow so those are really good, and, and I'm very sad that now I have to, to wait to another wait. year. <sighs> it's probably just as well. So then the next two are new books by old authors. First is The Guide by Peter Heller. Well, not that the authors themselves are old, but they've, yeah. they have other books out. They have a back catalog. Uh, so The Guide by Peter Heller, which is a follow-up to The River, which came out a few years ago, which he, I loved. Oh, yeah, we both loved yeah. it. And Peter Heller also wrote... He, he's written a lot of great things, but The Dog Stars is yeah. one of my favorites. Anyhow, uh, yeah. take it away. I really like that one. A lot of people like Celine. I did not like that one as much, but yeah, to each his own. Anyway, so The Guide also features Jack, who is in The River. It is about three years after the events of The River. He is still kind of traumatized. Do you feel like you need to have read The River in no. order to read The Guide? No. Great. He's graduated from college. He's been working with his dad on their ranch and he's decided to take some time off and he's going to go work as a fishing guide at this swanky resort lodge nearby in uh, the Colorado mountains. It is taking place like in 2023. So he, this is one of the first books I've read that has really gone into the whole post COVID thing. Oh, so it's still not post COVID. It's still, or I mean, it, it's post 2020, but it's still kind of out there, but everyone's kind of living with it. The rich people like to go to swanky lodges in the mountains where there's less COVID. There's been, you know, a bunch of variants. So anyway, so that was part was kind of interesting in how he worked that that into it. So he shows up for his first day at work and very quickly things just seem off and all sorts of craziness ensues. Many shenanigans. So I enjoyed it. It was very similar to The River. There was a lot of that great nature writing, just beautiful thoughts on fishing and the adventure was good it was easy to follow the action it felt less realistic than the river so Mm. i didn't enjoy it in that way as much but we did read the river the summer of terrible terrible fire season and Mm. that for me made the river very realistic yeah well and also i mean like it's not that I would go out on a Canadian River adventure. But it felt like if you were two guys out there on an adventure and then weird things started to happen to them. 
And it felt like something that could actually happen if you were out there. I see. This felt a little bit more like a... A little uh, farther Like fetched. a Jack Ryan kind of adventure. Uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Which... Okay. So my husband will love it. <laughs> yeah. So I bet he would really like it. It just... It felt a little more out of left field. The setup didn't feel quite as realistic to me. There wasn't enough. It, like, he gets there and immediately things go weird. Which felt odd to me. But it's still, you know, it was a fun adventure. It was a quick read. Again, you know, the writing is... The nature stuff Stellar. is just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then Apples Never Fall from Leanne Moriarty, who is back after her slight derailment in Nine Perfect Strangers. Why was that a derailment? Oh, she the end of it? Like... I don't read her writing. Oh. So, so. she's generally a very solid writer. Nine Perfect Strangers. <laughs> was it? it was kind of a miss. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was fun, but the end of it, people were like, what is going on? And why is she writing this? So this one felt like she's back on her game, very solid, all the way through, made sense. So this is the story of Joy Delaney, who is 69. And she and her husband, Stan, had just recently sold a very successful tennis academy and are retired and are trying to get into it, but are having some troubles. They have four adult children who are all, you know, living their lives nearby and having their own ups and downs. And then Joy goes missing. And it takes a while for people to notice, which is part of all the ups and downs the family is having. So the police are involved. They're trying to figure out what's happened to her. She, like, sent a text to her kids that was totally garbled. This sounds but, fun. Yeah. I mean, not that a person has gone missing. <laughs> But, but it is good. In an um, Inspector so Gamache kind of way. It's total, Well, yeah, and that's pretty much what it is. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. The police get involved. Some of the kids, you know, they're clearly suspecting the husband. The kids are sort of on either side. It goes back and forth. A few months ago, they had, Stan and Joy had taken in this girl that showed up on their doorstep. And she has since vanished. So they're trying to find her. And is it related? So it's got the back and forth timeline. Yeah, it's a it's a solid Leanne Moriarty. It's not as funny as some of her earlier ones. They had mm-hmm. a lot lot more um, kind of sarcastic humor, but it's it was good. And this one also it takes place right before COVID, and so like the last little bit of the book is kind of what happens during that. So that also is very interesting. It, it's going to be interesting going forward to see how how authors continue to to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. So that one I would recommend. And then Matrix by Lauren Groff, who wrote Fates and Furies. In Florida. Oh, I haven't read that one. I think Fates and Furies is the only one of hers that I've read also. I didn't care for Fates and yeah, Furies, but I loved didn't. Florida. Oh, okay. So I, I love Fates and Furies. I can't wait to hear what you think of Matrix. I liked it. It was totally different from Fates and Furies. So going Great. into it, <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting it. So it is inspired by the life and works of Marie de France, who uh, was a 12th century French poet. They don't know a lot about her. Like they, have, they do have some works of hers, but they're not sure actually who she was for real. So one of the options is that she was uh, an abbess, uh, an abbey in England. And so that is where this book is situated. And it goes through her life and her works and... She has visions and how that affects uh, how she is leading the Abbey. It was really interesting and well-written. Yeah, and, and features uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine, and I'm a big fan of hers. So I, I enjoyed that as well. 
it was, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting book. So yeah, I, I really liked it. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not straightforward, I would say. So I don't know if it'd be for everyone, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. I just picked it up from the library. So I'm interested to crack into it and see if it. Oh, maybe you got the copy that I just returned. Holds me or not. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, And that, that is it. Well, I'm really excited that I did that weird amount of reading about Dune in the summertime because it's opened up now and I, we can watch the movie and I just feel like I'm still waiting for my spouse gold star for having read this book after all of the years of my husband asking me to. And now it's going to come out in a movie and it will be great. Apparently it is. Although I have been enjoying all of the like desert memes. That I've Ooh, I haven't seen anything. I've, I really have had my nose in a calendar for yeah. the past three yeah. weeks. But, you know, shout out to former self for reading too. Yeah, well done. Other than that, it's been a really light reading week because I haven't been listening and I've been busy in a good way. I did read The Souvenir Museum, which is a collection of short stories by Elizabeth McCracken. I remembered when I was reading that book her husband wrote, Edward Carey, I think is his name, um, about the uh, Madame Tussard's Wax Museum. Mm-hmm how much I liked her. And I looked to see what she had that was new. And this one popped up for people who are reluctant about short stories. Boy, raising hand over here. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think it's a publishing problem. I think they just don't get the the, they don't get the momentum and the press that a novel does a lot of times. But this one deserves a shout out in a lot of ways. The stories are loosely connected. Mm-hmm. Arguably, it feels like a novel to me with just a an a chronologic timeline. These are stories of Jack and Sadie before their marriage, during their marriage, and later on in their marriage. Again, not chronological. And then the end story made me want to go back and reread the whole thing all over again. Like there was this like unfolding that it just it was just so well done and i think that the beauty of the loosely connected short story or a book that features multiple points of view it allows you to get like so up close to certain narrators and to understand their motivations and then to move into another character and see it from their perspective because there are always more more than one side to a story And I think that that's the beauty of this collection. So I found it really sad, a really satisfying read. There were a couple of unrelated side stories to it, but I think on the whole, it was delightful. Hmm. A friend of mine sent me, you are here asterisk for now by Adam J. Kurtz. I had reached out to her, my friend Kelly in Boston, when I was really struggling with the calendar conundrum a couple weeks ago. And so this nugget arrived in my mailbox. She meant it to be a total pep talk for this calendar moment that I was having. It was really about identity and self and maybe for a different audience, I have the ability to read it for the problem that I was currently in. 
and found it to be a great permission slip to just make the weird art that I that I was attempting to make. But I also think it would be great, great, great for a high school senior who is perhaps trying to figure out the rest of their life and that maybe you don't need to figure it out all right now. Mm-hmm. It, it felt to me like the ultimate graduation book. Hmm. And unintentionally, I think, because my understanding is it's maybe more for a kid who's struggling with identity or a kid who's struggling with gender or their sexuality or it could be that you know that soul searching Mm -hmm. but also for a lady who can't decide if the deer (laughs) should drink out of the soup tureen you know anyhow big questions kind of a hit gem so thanks kelly nice and then it's weird to end on a book that I didn't finish, but I'm going to do it because it's seasonally appropriate. All right. I listened to Dracula ah. by Bram Stoker. And what a trip that book is. Yeah. Well, oh, had you not the read first it book. Really, I had read never read it before. Uh-huh. And like, why would I? Okay. This, this is with the full confession that I didn't finish this book. It's still in my queue and I may turn back to it. But I have made it through book one, which is where our narrator, I forget his name. He's a solicitor from England. He goes to Transylvania on a horse. (laughs) It's it's like cartoony how he gets there, you know. And he's picked up by this mysterious man and he's taken inside and like fed wonderful meals, but only after sundown. And like, I wanted to hate this. I was totally into it. To the point that I drew a portrait of Bram Stoker. That's like one of the most favorite things that I have drawn in many, many months. And on top of that, the narrator does this Transylvanian accent. I don't even know if you can call it oh, that. Oh, the reader? The, yeah, the narrator of the book. Because it was an audiobook. Look at Bram Stoker. Nice. <laughs> the dude. That's awesome. My, grand, my mom's father so maternal grandfather would do this really cartoony count chocula accent (laughs) like for fun and it made me think of my grandfather so much i loved hearing him do the dracula voice on the audiobook because it made me think of my (laughs) grandfather and then the reason why I stopped was that it shifted to the fiance's perspective mm-hmm. and it was not as satisfying, I think, mm-hmm. because Dracula went away for the time being. He comes back. I know. I just haven't gotten there yet. But it is so delightful. And I didn't want Middlemarch to end. And I think part of me doesn't want. You're just diving into the Victorian literature. I am. And. This grandfather for me, too, is like, he's my my artist grandfather. So anything that hearkens him back to me, I don't want to surrender. So I may stretch Dracula out for some time, even though it feels ridiculous <laughs> right now. So you, you read what you want to read. I was in a performance of Dracula what? in high school, yes. So I am familiar with the Bram Stoker version. Oh, my goodness. 
What was your role? I was Mina Murray. Oh my gosh. Okay, well now I will be able to listen to book two with a whole yeah. fresh perspective. Oh, I'm saying Dracula comes back. I don't know that he has many more speaking parts. No, it's I, a good one. I can't do it the remotest bit of justice. The Transylvanian accent. I'll have to check. Craftlet might have done Dracula. So fun. So you could listen to it and get some information about the I the think what on. surprised me, aside from all of these... these um, um, it is kind of completely different from the traditional version of what we think of as Dracula, unless you yeah. watch the Bram Stoker's Dracula version. The atmosphere building is pretty masterful. Yeah. But there are some times when I want to edit the language a little bit, because there are some things that are really repetitive. But on the whole, I was delighted by just getting lost in this and then drawing like there's a couple of castles in that what what is that region supposed to be in real life transylvania is it really yeah what's it called now transylvania (laughs) where is it czech republic okay so there are some castles on high cliffs that are supposed to have um inspired in romania okay thank you have inspired other versions of Dracula stories. And I drew a couple of those too while I was listening. And they're just foggy and mysterious and shrouded. And I don't know, it seemed really seasonally appropriate. So it'll be November by the time you all hear this, but November is even creepier. Like just the winter is closing in. It's getting dark. Get thee to Transylvania people. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for our review and all our other chit-chat. And uh, until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.